This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Father, tonight I thank you as we prepare to receive your word that you will speak to us, and Lord, that you will give us clarity. Lord, I don't know everything that you're going to accomplish, but I do know this. You guided this study. You brought this series at this time. You protected it for this moment and for this crowd. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Exodus chapter 30 is where we're going to end up here in just a moment. But, you know, I was, I was shaken by the response Sunday. You know, when you, you preach a message, you, somebody said to me recently that, uh, you know, why did I feel like a, a failure after I, I ministered? And, and I said, well, if you felt like a failure, you probably did your best uh, job. Because if I finish a message and I'm like, okay, that turned out pretty good, you guys are like, see you next week. But if I feel like I finish a message that I feel like melting off of this stage and crawling underneath everything so I don't have to see anybody leave, you guys will come up with tears in your eyes and say, Pastor, one of the best sermons we've heard in a long time. And Sunday, I felt a distinct connection with what God was saying but at the same time, uh, my inadequacies were screaming at me. And as that was happening, God was speaking to people about their anxiety. And God used that. Now, a few, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, years ago, I guess. It's probably been two decades, a year, decade and a half maybe ago now, uh, uh, I preached a message here that people continually pr- bring to me, and they mention it to me, and I, I, I don't even really remember much about it other than we had a car sitting right here that Sunday morning, and, I, and it, was the, it was the time when that old song, Jesus Take the Wheel, came out, and, and I preached a message called Jesus Take the Wheel. And we had, I don't know how many people saved, and just we, there were just hundreds of copies of it that were, went out, we gave out, and people all over, they were showing it in doctor's offices, and other churches were getting it, showing it in their, in their church, and, and it's always those moments when you feel like you don't connect. And so what I'm trying to tell you is, is I think sometimes we as a people, feel like we always have to have something spectacular. But I've come to understand that sometimes I don't want spectacular. Let me, let me, let me say it this way. I get tired when I'm traveling of eating out. And I just want home cooking. Does that make more sense? I mean, I'm from the South, and just give me some cornbread and milk, and I'll be okay. I just want that comfort of home. 
And so tonight, I am not attempting to bring you anything spectacular. And reality is, I'm going to be revisiting some things that the Holy Spirit, as I was learning some new science today, as the Holy Spirit brought back around to my mind and my heart, that I think is nothing but just home home doctrine, sound truth that you need to live on. Does that make sense? Because if I'm feeling like a failure, I'm feeling like right now, because y'all are looking at me like, we don't know where he's going. Sometimes you've got to stop going for the glamour, and you've got to just say, I need some, some, I'm missing something out of my diet. Your body is craving something. And if we can learn this, what I'm about to give you tonight, I think that it will help you because I have found that if I, what this is what I'm about to say, if I avoid my altar, I will end up with a deficit in my life that leaves me unsettled. And in Exodus chapter 30, verse number one, it reads very, very simply. It says, make another altar. And he begins to give the descriptions of this altar, but I want you to look at that statement for just a moment. Make another altar. Make an altar in your life. This is important because some things in your life need to be staples. And a place to meet with God needs to be a staple thing in your life. I, my mother was telling me yesterday about my great uncle who they said every day he went to the pasture, to his altar out in the pasture, and he called upon the name of the living God. You need to have an altar space in your life to where it becomes part of your daily diet. Can I meddle, Lord? You need to long for, listen to me, this is is profound. You need to long for your altar as much as you long for your coffee. Somebody said, "Mm, my life would change. Non-coffee drinkers substitute whatever it is in your life. Okay? But you see, altars are symbols from the past that give meaning to the present and faith for the future. There are things that we remember what God did. I know how God changed my life in that altar. And because I know how God changed my life in that altar, it helps me put the present in perspective and it gives me faith for a better future. Because I know how and where to connect to God. And I think sometimes we're all looking for the next best worship song. And the next radical teaching. I was so proud. I pulled up beside a car I didn't recognize. had a new tag on it. And I guess Brother Randy must have got Diane a new car for her, for her birthday. I don't know. But I pulled up and, and I looked inside the car. As I pulled up, I said, I don't know who that is. But, but as I got out of my truck, I saw it was her, of course. But the only thing I could see was the, was the screen. And it said 91.5 on it. And I said, well, she, at least she's got it set to a godly station in there. Come on now. Amen. And, and I saw that and I thought, well, she's, she's pumping the right stuff into that environment. But listen to me, I don't care how hard Ray prays over every psalm, sometimes he's not going to be able to make the connection for you that needs to be made with God. The only one who can make the connection with God that you need is you. 
You're going to have to build your own altar. When you are no longer accessible to this altar, you will find the allure of yesterday begins to speak to you. And I have one brother who has not fared well, who texts me in the middle of the night regularly. And I'm like, son, we got to get you back to God's house. we got to get you back to where you can connect with God. It's time to build another altar in your life. If you have a, am I making sense to anybody tonight? If you have abandoned the significance of talking to God for yourself, then I have come with a message for you. It's time to make another altar. We all need reminders of what God has done in our lives. They are key to getting us where God wants us to go. Notice what I just said. I didn't say they're, they're key to getting us where we want to go. They're key to getting us where God wants us to go. Because if you're driving yourself, then you're headed in the wrong direction because a man's ways seem right into himself, but the end thereof is destruction. But when God begins to drive your life, God begins to change who you are. God begins to meet you right where you are. I feel the throne room of heaven as I'm bringing you this message tonight. God begins to connect with you. You're going, Pastor Don, I don't know how to balance my life. The reality is not that your life is out of balance. It's that you have neglected the moments that you, you need to get back in your war room. You need to get back to your altar. You need to get back to your prayer room. And you need to stay until things begin to make sense again. You see, our altars are the key to becoming who God wants us to be. Now, I want you to think for just a moment. I said we go to 1 Samuel 17. That's a famous chapter. It's where David defeats Goliath. After David defeats Goliath, what did he do? What did David do after Goliath fell dead? Somebody said, well, he cut off his head, and he did. Somebody said, why did he cut off his head? Can I tell you why, why I would cut off his head? To make sure he stayed dead. That was a big old brother. Come on now. Make sure he stayed dead. But 1 Samuel 17, 54 says this. David took the Philistine's head, notice this, to where? Jerusalem. This is important. But he stored the man's armor in his own tent. He took his head to Jerusalem and he took his armor to his own tent. Very important. Because at the time that David kills Goliath, Saul had allowed Jerusalem to continue to be in the land and to be possessed by a different group of people, and it was a Jebusite stronghold city that David takes the head of Goliath, and there's all kinds of prophetic significance here, and I, I don't really want to go that direction with this, but I want you to see this. He takes the head to where he hopes to be someday. David's already got his mind made up. I want to live in that place someday. I want to possess that place someday. And he goes and he buries that head. And, and I, I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but he buries it on a rocky hill overlooking 
the city of Jerusalem. So it's outside the, the city walls there. And it's a rocky hill that's overlooking the city of Jerusalem. Why is that important? Because Goliath represented the fallen humanity. He represented the Nephilim, the fallen humanity. And as he represented the fallen humanity, what happened was this. It was take his head was taken and it was put and under uh, this giant that represented the former things of in the beginning time of creation and they put his head in the ground i'm preaching to somebody now get this real fast put his head in the ground on a rocky hill overlooking jerusalem and then one uh, day many thousands of years later all of a sudden they brought this cross and dropped it into a rocky hill overlooking jerusalem so literally as Jesus lay there or hung there dying, he, listen to me, the enemy may have bruised his heel because he could only keep him bound for three days, but he was literally standing on the head of the head that represented fallen humanity and the enemy, and so he was bruising his heel, but he was crushing his head. Now that's important, but that's not what I'm trying to give you here. What I want you to get is this. That Jerusalem was symbolic of where David wanted to go. The armor didn't fit him, but the armor was a reminder of how God had already moved for him. So David had somewhere he wanted to go that he knew was not going to get there. He wasn't going to get there easy. I'm preaching to somebody. He knew he wasn't going to get there easy, so he, he set up a goal. That's where I'm going to end up. I want to live up there. Let me tell you what just dropped in my spirit. The reason you can't get where you want to go is half of you don't know where you want to go. You just don't want to be where you are. You don't know where you want to go. And so it's at an altar that you find the directions of your life. It was at an altar that God called me. It's at an altar that when you were seeking to think about it, where you were seeking the face of God, that God changed your life. I have a dear, dear friend that, that I love greatly, and, and he shares his testimony, and he's, he gets all kind of hate mail because of his, uh, his, his testimony that he shares, but, but he tells his testimony that he was living in, in Florida, and as he was living in Florida uh, with, his, with his male lover, uh, he, he, he was planning on marrying this man, and, and he was living with him, and all of a sudden, God began to do something in his life, and he said, he said, I, I got radically saved. He said... When I got saved, Pastor, he said, I would love to tell you that I, I had a vision for a better life. He said, but when I got saved, my plan was I can't live the way I've been living, so i got to marry this guy. And he said, God had to bring me to North Georgia and put me in a prayer room for almost two years of time at an altar every single day, he said, and God started changing who I was, not because somebody preached at me, but because the Spirit of the living God met me in that prayer place every single day. And it's, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. And it started giving me a better vision of where God had called me to be. And he said, before long, I lost the desire for what I used to want, and I had not yet 
achieve the desire for what I have now. He said, but I lost the desire for what I used to be. And he said, God began to change me. And he said, one day his wife-to-be walked into the room. And he said, I'd never felt this way before. He She walked in the room and he said, I went, hmm. And I had a hard time praying after that, Pastor. He said, but it did not happen because somebody tried to re-educate me. It did not happen because somebody slathered me with oil and slapped me and did these things. He said, it happened because I kept getting along in the face and the presence of the living God until God gave me a hope for a better future. I've come to tell somebody today, stop trying to get where you want to go and start saying, God, I don't know what my future looks like, but I want you to give it to me and I want you to get me ready for it because I won't what you want for me because it's better than what I want for me. Amen. The armor is there because when you grow weary in pursuit of what God has for you, even though it might not fit you, you go back to what God has done for you and you remind yourself when you're discouraged, God, help me win that battle. I can go forward and win the next battle. That when the enemy comes against you, all it takes is one glance at the armor and you remember. You see, it was the reminder of his past that gave fuel for his passion for the future. This is important. It was the reminder of what God has already done. This is, this is, this is, this is salad and turnip green stuff. Come on now. You need to pray. Now listen to me. I'm about to give you the science of a study. According to developmental psychologists, when you take an object out of the view of a baby, that object ceases to exist. Okay? I watched my great niece today run around, her mama trying to catch her back there. And as she was running around, she saw me out of the corner of her eye, and she lit up. And I thought, breakthrough. And then she saw the color of my eyes and a little bit more hair than I have than my brother. Come on now. And realized I wasn't granddaddy. I thought I've had a breakthrough. She mistook me for her granddaddy. Babies' perspectives are different. But when a small infant, when you remove an object from in front of them, to them there is no relativeness of thinking about the object that you've removed from them because it ceases to exist. And let me mess up something you've enjoyed with children. That is why peekaboo is so fun to them. <laughs> You're like, they just love me. Look, look, look how much they love me. Peekaboo. I started to call this sermon peekaboo. Because watch this. The reason they smile is because with every revelation, you re-enter their world. You catch them off guard because in developmental psychology, we find out that you're re-entering. To them, you were gone, but now you're back. Oh, there you are. Now you exist to them 
Again, my goodness, I, I could really preach this. But I want you to stay with me because as much as I, 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 I'm afraid, I'm just going to go that way for just a moment. I think that most of us are spiritual infants more than we know. And God's been going, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. And he's having to keep reentering our world when what he's wanting you to do is get to an altar that when you go through a desert or you go through a wilderness, you don't give up and you don't whine about it and you don't run away and you don't stop praying and you don't go, well, God hates me now and I've blown it. I might as well go back to who I used to be. No, you keep going because you grow past the infant stage that needs a constant peekaboo, 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 and you find the stage that gets you into his presence when you go to the altar and you realize this is my life's breath. This is where I drink the water that flows from the throne, and I keep going into the presence of God. You, Pastor Don, you acting like we all need this. Let me just tell you, I don't care if you've served God 50 years. You need this reminder tonight. Keep going. And if you're praying the same prayers, ask him to give you something deeper to pray about. Because we need to stop. Half of us are happy with peekaboo. And God says, I want you to know me. And know my ways. I want you to be called the friend of God. Could you imagine that? We never really outgrow this, and that's why we need our altars. Philosophy has a branch that's called teleology. And teleology simply means that, that everything we have in our life uh, uh, should and does have a purpose. Okay? For example, when David was attacked by the bear and the lion, he was preparing him for the day that he would fight Goliath. You see... David, when he went to fight Goliath, looked back in his life to past altars to find the courage for what God could do that day. Everything you've been through is there for a reason. And Pastor Don, are you trying to tell me God sent everything into my life? No, I believe we pull most of what comes into our life into our life. We reap harvest God never intended for us. But the reality is, what the devil meant for bad, God will always turn for good. When you're living according to the purposes of Christ. Am I preaching truth? And I want you to get this. God will always turn it for your good. And when God starts turning it for your good, something happens. But God does not work, listen to me. God's not working on the same wave as man because we're looking back but trying to find a reason to go forward. Listen to me. God comes from the forward to the present to remind you of what lies ahead. We're looking here trying to get enough faith to go there, and God comes from there to here and says, i got to get you there. You know what that tells me? Ask God, you'll help me with this. You know what that tells me? Come on, help me now. Help me now, Pastor. Tell me now, Pastor. Come on. That tells me God's not as concerned about your past as much as you are. Can I tell you why? It's under the blood. But Pastor Don, you don't understand who I am and what I did. No, you don't understand who he is and what he did. My goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. 
God's coming from your future into your present saying, oh, Pastor Don, that's just heretical. Is it really? Because I think I've got some scripture about it. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus, do works which God prepared in advance of us to do, that God was already in our future setting up what he called us to. There's anointing in this house. There's purpose in this house. You are the chosen children of the Most High God. And if you would stop having to look backwards and get yourself to an altar and start connecting with a divine calling, a purpose in Jesus Christ. Am I making sense to anybody tonight? You'll start walking forward to what God's already prepared for you. Pastor Don, do you think there could be anything good in my future the bible doesn't say you're god's junk it says you are his handiwork god's been piecing together a beautiful future for you and if you'll get along with god you'll start walking the right way amen i feel the holy ghost it's not a question of if it's a question of when and how and where and at the altars of our lives, we gain, listen to what I'm about to tell you, a holy confidence. You see, what is God going to do next? What is the God who works before us? The God who works all things together for our good. The God who orders our footsteps. The God who prepares good works in advance. The God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. What is that God going to do next? So we live with holy confidence. Because he did it before, but he'll do it again. You're not anywhere close to what he has for you yet. I feel him. What seems like the future to us is the past to God. Now, pastor, there you go again. Remember the walls of Jericho? Before they ever came crashing down, Joshua 6.2, the Bible says this. The Lord said to Joshua, he says, look, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its kings and its fighting men. They hadn't even walked one time around that place yet. But God said, I've already done it. I've already given it. And some of you are going, well, Pastor Don, I just don't know if I'll ever get free. God says, I bought your freedom on a cross called Calvary. I shed my blood for your freedom. I've already done it. If you will start walking for me and you do what I tell you to do, it's already out there. It's just waiting for you to go and protect it and, and say it's mine. Come on now, man. Y'all better be glad I'm not young and able to run. Come on. Somebody, can go, somebody help that brother lose some weight because I want to see him actually run. It's the altars in our lives that we find or are reminded of God's plan for our lives. If you start losing your way, Go build an altar. Folks, you have to build an altar every day. I want you to think about this just for a moment. How many of you have served God for 20 years or more? Can I see your hand? You've served God for 20 years or more. Okay. A lot of hands in this room. How many of you would say with me that some of the greatest weaknesses are weak and even biggest mistakes of your life happened when you started abandoning the altar? Almost 100% that raised their hand the first time. I'm, what I'm telling you, this is beans and cornbread. This is, you can live on it. In other words, this is not Krispy Kreme night. Because they're not crispy anyways, but come on, let's go on. 
If you want God to do something new, you can't keep living the same way you've been living, doing the same old things. So make an altar. And then you got to put yourself on that altar. I want you to hear me. Make an altar. Every morning, every evening, hit your knees. Submit yourself to God's word and to God's spirit. Give him the first and the last word of your day. Give him the first thought and the last thought of your day. Trying to tell you how to stop laying there worrying through the night. One study took this stand. I thought it was an interesting study. He said, we will never be like Christ until we give him more time. I watched yesterday as our little Charlie walked and ran across the basketball floor. And he had a look on his face. And I thought, what is so familiar about that look on his face? And then I realized it's a look he learned from me. That he picked up with time. It may not have been biological, but it has just become a habit. And I told him afterwards, I said, buddy, I said, you made me think you look just like me for a minute out there. He smiled. Listen to me. You're never going to bear the image of the image maker if you don't spend time with him. There's an old Larnell Harris song. Anybody remember Larnell Harris? Anybody? Did I miss my time with you? Those moments together. I need to be with you each day. It's from the Lord's perspective. And it hurts me when you say you're too busy, too busy trying to serve me. Too many times we're too busy to go to the altars of our lives. Pastor Don, how is this practical? You get to an altar to change not only your life, it'll change your home. If you marry in America today, you live together before you marry, there's an 88% chance you will divorce. If you marry in America today, you don't live together before you are married, it is your first marriage, there's almost a 60% chance you will divorce. If you will pray with your spouse every single day, there is a 1 in 1,105 chance that you will divorce. The altar is the meat and potatoes of your faith. But yet, how often do we not pray? And do we not pray together? You see, at the altar, there's a word there. In the Greek, what it really means is that it makes it a transactional moment. When you build an altar, it becomes transactional. What it says is you are participating, but God is raising something up. Then the building of an altar, it literally is its a play on words because you can clean out a space, but God has to enter to help make it an altar. When he says you make another altar, what he's saying is, 
You set the time. You make the place. And I'll come in and I'll raise something up there that'll change who you are. I'm just going to skip a lot of this. I've got so much more. But I'm going to tell you a little story that I, I, I think is interesting in closing. True, Kathy. Start a little business that some of you like to call God's chicken. Let me just poll. How many of you had Chick-fil-A this week? Anybody? Wow. Okay. How many of you have never had? Anybody never had Chick-fil-A? Twice a day. Okay, twice a day. Twice a day. Yeah, I'm going to tell you how bad Chick-fil-A is. I'm not even a huge fan of Chick-fil-A, but just stay with me a minute. The reason is you get burned out. But I pull up. This is why I'm not a huge fan. I pull up at Chick-fil-A, and they go, Pastor, what are you doing here? Hi. I'm thinking, do you go to War Hill? They go, Pastor, what are you doing here? And I said, just got to get a chicken sandwich. Number one, the large lemonade. And they're like, no, 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 what are you doing here? I mean, Joe was just here like an hour ago, and Christina was here like 20 minutes ago. We never see you. I mean, they wouldn't pick it up for you? And I was like, no. But back to the story. Drew Kathy. Founder of Chick-fil-A. I was with a young man the other day, or a man the other day, who was discipled by the Kathy family. He believed in discipleship. He believed that as much as God had blessed him, it was, it was imperative that he pass that on to others by teaching them the principles, not of business, but of God. And so there was a young man who was really wavering in his faith and he, he was struggling and he had some, some issues that would have caused a lot of people to probably not, not believe in him. But True Kathy brought him under his wing and, and started discipling him and he was having a particularly hard time fulfilling all of his obligations and, and, and he, he, he was having a hard time getting to the job that Truett had given him and, and was struggling and so Truett said, i tell you what, he said, you know what, I really believe God's going to bless you and and he said, well, I just feel like you need to listen to, I think it was four, these four tapes. And Dr. Charles Stanley preaching. And I want you to listen to these four tapes of Dr. Charles Stanley preaching. And, and, and when you've listened to these four tapes, you come see me. And he asked the young man after the first week, have you listened to the tapes? He says, no, 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 I've been too busy. And he said, okay. After a few weeks more, he said, have you listened to the tapes yet? And he said, no, I'm too busy. Finally, just over a month or and a half or so later, a month, month and a half later, he says, son, have you listened to those tapes yet? And he said, no, sir, not yet. I'm sorry, I'm too busy. He said, that's what I was afraid you were going to say. He said, I want you to bring me the fourth tape. And he brought him the fourth tape, and he said, now, listen popped it in he pushed play and on that tape Truett Kathy had recorded over the voice of Dr. Stanley and here's what it said the keys to your brand new car are in the drawer of my desk get them when you want them 
what True Kathy wouldn't give him. That brand new car. Because the boy wasn't willing to pay the price of the blessing. What I've tried to tell you tonight is this is, this is basic. If you'll pay the price of the blessing, it will chase you your whole life. It will hunt you down and it will provide for you in ways that you could never imagine but I fear that many of us say too often just really really too busy to get to the altar and guys I don't really like to call you out that often but that's what the enemy's tool is going to be stop your quiet time Stop going to church. Stop praying. Before long, remember that passage that when something is cleaned out, and I'm preaching truth here, when something is cleaned out, and the enemy comes back around and finds it empty, he then brings in seven times worse. What I'm trying to tell you is, let God stay good inside of you. May his word fill you, his spirit be alive in you because you keep visiting him. You, am, am, am I telling the truth? If you will do that, is there a brand new car waiting for you? I don't know. But I can tell you what is waiting for you more than you could ask think or imagine because that's God's promises over your life stand with me tonight I'm going to pray for you Pastor Michael has a couple of important announcements tonight and God is good y'all missed that whole revelation talk in the beginning I said, I said God is good Maybe he was trying to get somebody's attention tonight. Dust off the altar. Build another one. Get along with Jesus. Heavenly Father, I stand here before these. I was reminded yet yesterday as a young man that I love dearly shared his discipleship moment of just how one statement changed his life when he he said Esther when you said I've been doing this every day for 30 years how that challenged him God even as it challenged him it challenged me don't back down don't get comfortable at the distance but go further go longer for him. Lord, I want to pursue you more. I need somebody to join me on this journey. I want to know you more. I don't want somebody to try to beat the change into my life. I want you to change me in your presence for the spirit.
Spirit of the Lord is what brings freedom. For Lord, in you we are made free by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, where your Spirit is, there's liberty and freedom. Cleanse us, O oh God. Build within us integrity that does not let the enemy steal our progress. May it be as simple as the daily disciplines of meeting you at an altar. That there you will change our lives for all eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.